Hi, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at First Free. Before I get into our message this morning, I need to say thanks to all of you who've been praying for me following my heart bypass surgery a few months ago. After time off for recovery, I'm easing back into ministry duties and very glad to be back. A few weeks ago, I read an article in the Post-Dispatch about how we almost lost one of the most wonderful trees in the country, located right here in the Missouri Botanical Gardens. During a storm on July 15th, lightning struck the 103 feet tall basswood that is the Missouri State Champion and one-time national champion as the largest in the country. When lightning hits a tree, it's often fatal. It can blow the bark off and split the tree in two. The heat of lightning strike is so intense that water in the cells beneath the bark begin to boil. The steam created causes an explosion that blows the bark off. What saved this tree was a small rod installed in the 1980s to this and many other trees in the garden. This metal rod placed at the top of the tree was connected to a copper wire which runs down the trunk to another rod buried in the ground. The immense power of a lightning strike was rerouted by a small metal wire saving one of the largest basswood trees in the nation. Life today is so complex. Difficulties and challenges are huge. A global pandemic, racism, political incivility, climate change, rising crime in our cities, a justice system that's skewed in favor of the wealthy, global poverty, disease and mental illness, all of these and more can leave us feeling helpless and hopeless. Where do we start in addressing enormous, sometimes global problems? Some look to government, science, protests, social media, justice system reforms, or religious institutions to provide solutions. And it's possible that any of these means could contribute to the answers we need. Others either stake out and defend a position or hide in avoidance and denial. These responses do not contribute to the answers that we need. As followers of Jesus, we have a more true perspective on the events and circumstances of the day. And from that perspective, see the solution the Bible is a story of men, women, and families, just like you and me, who are going through life, seeking to know and follow God amid internal and external challenges. The separation and loss that all humanity has experienced due to our rebellion against God is the ultimate global threat, and the remedy God prescribed is exactly the path that we must take to make an impact today. It's natural to look for the opportunity to do something big for God, overlooking the power of the everyday Christian life, those small acts of love, mercy, and grace that God uses to further his mission. My hunch is that our most effective ministry will look a lot like the normal relationships that we see throughout scripture. Our pastoral team regularly and prayerfully discusses the topic and direction of our Sunday morning time on Sunday mornings. This pandemic when our church has not been able to gather as we have in the past and our normal rhythms have been interrupted, we want to spend some time encouraging and challenging our congregation with all that we can and should be doing for the Lord, even with the restrictions and obstacles. How can we stay on track with connecting people with God's love by extending the kingdom-building ministry of Jesus? I've heard a metaphor that really fits. Imagine you're a bus driver with a very clear destination in mind, in time, some unruly passengers board the bus and begin to cause a ruckus. 
You do your best to stay focused, but the disturbance behind you becomes too much and you pull over and give your attention to the unruly passengers. They love the attention and relish in the power they have to stop the bus, slowing and perhaps even changing the route that you had planned. If we're not diligent in following the Holy Spirit, we can be like that bus driver, diverting our attention from the ultimate destination to the overwhelming challenges behind us. That's not to say the passengers are not real or they don't need some attention, but the best thing we can do is whatever it takes to get to our final destination, that is best for all. And sometimes we put up with a ruckus in the seats behind us. Our plan for the next five weeks is to stop in on the events in the life of Jesus that seem relatively small or insignificant, but which had a powerful impact on people. We're calling this series, The Power of Small, How Small Things Can Make a Big Difference. I will get us started today, and then you will hear from our entire preaching team, Kevin Crosley, Steve Lancaster, Andrew Miller, and Adam Bowers. Along the way, we'll be discussing how our own relatively small acts of service, care, and witness can be used by God to change people's lives and to make a difference for Christ. Our first stop is Matthew 12, 46 through 50. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they wanted to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This story is also included in Mark 3, 20 through 35. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the, teachings, but the teachers of the religious law had arrived from Jerusalem and said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. And Mark goes on to describe Jesus teaching in parables and challenging his accusers that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my mother and brother. And in Luke 18, 19 to 21, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get into him because of the crowd. Someone said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. The context of these passages is growing opposition to Jesus and the implications of his divine mission becoming more and more real. Earlier in Matthew 12, Jesus is described as a fulfillment in the prophecy in Isaiah, Matthew 12, 18 to 21. Look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name 
will be the hope of all the world. As opposition grew and the work he came to accomplish on the cross drew closer, Jesus' focus and proclamation of God's kingdom became even more undeniable to those who heard him. Jesus was delivering dire warnings to his hearers of what is to come of those who do not recognize and welcome the kingdom of God which he is inaugurating. He doesn't pull any punches in describing the spiritual war that was raging due to the cosmic move of God to redeem and restore all things to himself. Jesus was so caught up in his mission to connect people with God's kingdom that he was missing meals and not sleeping as much as some would expect. Days and nights filled with teaching crowds, meeting with his disciples, fielding random accusations from his detractors, and remaining resolute in his purpose to die for the sins of the world. And into that zone of concentration and determination, he hears someone say, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. The way Jesus responds to this small interruption is very insightful and very instructive for our own lives and ministries. Mark's account gives the reason why they're there to see Jesus. They're concerned that he's pushing so hard and not even taking care of taking time to eat. They found some of his teaching very concerning and they wondered about his mental stability. Undoubtedly, Jesus was aware of their skepticism, and that may play a part in his rather curt response in Matthew 12. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said, my mothers and brothers are those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus found this interruption unreasonable, although he didn't address it directly. Instead, he asks a question and provides an answer that is ultimately freeing to all of us. I love how Matthew actually puts us in the room by painting a picture of how Jesus raised his hand and pointed to his disciples and said, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Knowing the cultural context of Jesus and his hearers helps us. In the ancient world, family was more defined by hierarchy than kinship. That is to say, the patriarch of a family was honored and obeyed by everyone else in the family, wives, children, servants, if they had them. So this is a profound statement that Jesus is declaring that God is the father of all, all those who follow him as siblings, members of the same household. John Calvin wrote this in his commentary on this passage. There is no tie of relationship so sacred than the spiritual relationship. Relationships in flesh are important and part of God's design. But it is the spiritual relationship that we have as brothers and sisters with Jesus that reflects the redemptive plan of God. The Holy Spirit has knit us together to a degree that no fleshly relationship can reach. Paul picks up on this in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. There's no human institution, no government, no religion, no social movement, no philosophy, no discovery or invention, no conquest, no achievement, no human family that can give new life and join together people of every walks of life, every race, every nation to spend eternity united with God our Father as our Redeemer. It is only the spiritual union with Christ and in spiritual relationship with believers that we can bear witness to the world of the redemptive plan of God. This is the point that Jesus is making. 
to his listeners and the message for the church today, the message we need to hear that we are more aligned with God's agenda than with any created by humanity, it's so important to note because we don't obey our way into a sibling relationship with Jesus. Rather, a life of obedience to the Father is what is expected and visible in the lives of those who are siblings of Jesus through faith. This is such an encouraging truth as we see our society being torn apart by racial strife, political attacks, social disparity, international conflict. There's a family of faith that's made up of disciples of Jesus from every race, every social status, nationality, political affiliation, or any other grouping that we might describe. Let's shift gears now for a few minutes and think about the small interruptions that may distract us from what God is calling us to do. Like a mom and sibling stopping by, these don't have to be malicious or evil. Sometimes the nature of the interruption is neutral, but the way that it distracts us from God's will is not neutral. What are the small interruptions in your life? Maybe the interruption is related to your family. It's too easy to chase after being the perfect mom, dad, parent, and so doing so, miss the call that God has for you. Materialism and consumerism are major interruptions in our lives. Sometimes they come in very small doses. We're constantly bombarded with the media trying to convince us that life would be more complete with just one more purchase. And related to materialism, money can be an interruption. Too much, too little, financial decisions, debt, even financial planning can become an interruption. Events in the news can be an interruption causing us to take our eyes off of God and his plan. Instead, we're interrupted by human solutions to complex problems. Any change that results in unexpected comfort or unexpected crisis has the potential to be an interruption in our calling. When circumstances change, we often shift and figure out how to adjust ministry to fit new circumstances. And Jesus teaches us that we should be keeping our priority to serve the Lord and manage our circumstances to fit into that reality. What can we do to prepare for these small interruptions that come into life so that we can remain focused on the work of God has for us to do? First, we can maintain a life of spiritual devotion. The closer you are to the Lord, the more you are involved in helping people experience God's love, the easier it will be for you to identify and respond to the interruptions. For some of you, this is a big step. Cultivating your own spiritual life through prayer Bible study, living in community with other believers, and being involved in meaningful service is how we know and do the will of God. Don't think of God's will as getting the answers correct on a quiz. God's will is much more about who you are, your devotion to Him, and your sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Ask questions. Questions reveal dangers. They uncover misguided thinking, provide clearer vision, and expose our own bias. Jesus was a master at using questions. So it's not coincidental that when he was told his mother and his brothers were outside, that he responded with questions. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? When faced with interruptions, what questions might we, might we ask? Why do I want this? How did this impact my availability to serve the Lord? Do I need to deal with this now? How will this interruption keep me from doing what God wants me to do. We can also physically remove distractions and interruptions. 
limit things like television viewing and social media, manage electronic communications, don't let electronic communications manage you, evaluate and adjust your commitments so that you are available to God to use whenever he wants. Serve on a team with other Christians. Jesus pointed to his disciples when he responded to the news that his mom and brothers are outside. He had a core team that he served with and trained. If Jesus had a team, how much more do you and I need brothers and sisters in the Lord to walk with us as we serve? If you need to get plugged into a team where you, are, where you can connect and grow and serve, we have options for you. The first option is a group at First Free. We have groups that meet during the week, groups that meet on Sunday mornings, groups that focus on specific issues, groups for men, groups for women. Our ESL ministry is gearing up for this fall and we can always use more people on this team. We will soon be announcing a new mentoring ministry for training and connecting people in our congregation with immigrants and refugee families to provide and care for them and give them help. This team is going to be meeting regularly for training and sharing what God is doing in these new friendships. We're building or rebuilding in some cases support teams for our missionaries. These teams will be communicating and praying for the specific ministries of missionaries, leading efforts to help with special needs and making sure that we're staying relationally connected with those who we're sending. We will be distributing food to needy families here at our church in our parking lot on August 8th and 15th in the morning. If you want to help with this, please email care at efree.org and we will get back to you with details. Bridge of Hope Ministries is looking for online tutors for students in North St. Louis. They provide the training and connect the tutor with the student. It's different now during COVID, but our Kid Connection Ministry and Student Ministries are teams are wonderful places to belong and serve. There's so many others. Go to efree.org connect and indicate your desire in serving on a team. Of course, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us determine those interruptions that are divinely inspired. Those interruptions, however, enhance our spiritual ministry rather than derail us from our ministry. Remember the lightning rod that saved the largest basswood tree in the state of Missouri? A small rod, a copper wire, not noticeable unless you look very close, provided protection from a lightning strike that would have severely damaged the tree. Similarly, it's the small decisions that we make to stay focused on our mission and not give in to the small distractions of life which protect and increase our effectiveness for God's kingdom. Whether, they're under, whether they understood it or not, it was in the best interest of Jesus' mother and brothers that he would stay in that room teaching about the kingdom of God. Likewise, it is in the best interest of our families, our community, and our nation and our world that we stay focused on the mission that God has for us. Saying yes to what God has for us, saying yes for what is of eternal value, and no to the distractions and interruptions will protect you from getting lost in problems, crises, and issues of the day. By staying focused on God's will, we will together be a light in this dark world, a light of hope, direction, and protection for all people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take the truth of this small section, this small event in Jesus' life, and use it as a reminder of how important it is for us to stay focused and determined on the mission you've given to us. 
Keep us focused, Lord. Help us to avoid the distractions of life, that we will be your light in this world, in this community, in this city, and in our families. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, remembering the mission that Jesus accomplished for us by staying focused to the very end. When he died on the cross to provide forgiveness of sin and hope for all people to be part of God's family. If you're in one of our venues, your host will direct you where to find the elements. If you're at home, you can grab some crackers and juice from the kitchen. You may want to pause this video if you need time to gather your elements. We read earlier in the prophecy of Isaiah that pointed to Jesus' own ministry. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of the world. There could not be a more timely message for the church and for the world. Only the work of Jesus, the work he accomplished on the cross, is justice victorious. In his death, the punishment for sin is accomplished, and there's freedom and forgiveness and hope for all who trust in him. And it's good to be reminded today that his name is the hope of all the world. At the communion table, we join with believers around the world and across all the ages to proclaim our love and devotion to God through the work of Jesus Christ. Here's how the Apostle Paul instructed his readers in 1 Corinthians 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In the next section, he encourages us to examine our own hearts before we take communion. That examination includes our actions, our words, and our thoughts. What's standing in the way of living according to the love of God and the will of God? Those things should be confessed to God in prayer and accompanied by sincere repentance. Please pray with me now, asking the Lord to renew our faith and clean up those wrong areas of thinking, acting, and speaking. Father, as we approach the communion table today, we ask that you would, by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgive us and cleanse us. Bring to our minds those attitudes, words, and actions that have been contrary to your will, and forgive us, we pray. Amen. Now, in gratitude for the work that Jesus did for the body of Jesus, which was broken for us, let's eat the bread together. And now out of eternal thanks for the love that Jesus gave to us, who shed his blood and died so that we can be children of God, let's drink the cup together. Now let's pray. Father, this is really the ultimate remembrance of how dedicated and how devoted Jesus was to your mission for him. And so now we give thanks for that mission and we accept that mission that, that is still going on today as the work of Christ is continuing through us. And may this reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus give us a renewed commitment, a renewed dedication, and a renewed zeal to be the men and women that you've called us to be 
for your glory. Amen.